0: Welcome to church, we are glad you are here, happy new year again, probably the last week we'll say that and then we'll expect to be in 2023 after that, it's good to see every smiling face, welcome to all of our locations, TV and online audience that is there, we know God is going to speak a special word to each one of you, if you have your Bible, would you take it on out and if you need a Bible, would you raise your hand, the ushers will be glad to get them to you. Hold it up nice and high, and let's go ahead and say this together. Ready, go. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all that God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be All that God has destined me to be. Amen. If you would remain standing in honor of God's word, we're going to go to the text from which my assignment comes. Mark chapter number 10. Mark chapter number 10 beginning in verse number 17. The Bible says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God. God. Um, You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great Possessions. This week, by the way, I realized I have great possessions. I I cleaned out my closet. I gave away 208 items of clothes can you believe that it was all stuck in my 208 and there's still like 400 left in there i thought to myself man we have great possessions we don't realize how blessed we are amen then jesus looked around um and said to his disciples how hard is it for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of god and the disciples were astonished at his words but jesus answered again and said to them children um How hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying amongst themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them. And he said, with men it is impossible, but with God, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say, see, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Today we are continuing in our series for 2023, also the word that I believe God has given us for this year, and that is going all in. And that's really what I want to minister to you about today, going all in. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to every heart? Would you transform? Would you help us to be more like Jesus? We pray in his name, and everybody said Amen. You may be seated. This week, the world was riveted as we watched 24-year-old DeMar Hamlin, a safety for the Buffalo Bills, collapse on the field with 5 minutes and 58 seconds left in the first quarter of the Bengals-Buffalo Monday night football game. Hamlin made a tackle on Cincinnati's T. Higgins. He took about two steps, and then he collapsed suddenly, having gone into cardiac Arrest. The medics ran onto the field. The ambulance drove onto the field. And for nine minutes, they performed CPR, finally put him on a stretcher, placed him in the ambulance, who drove him immediately to the University of Cincinnati's medical center, where he spent several days in critical condition. But thank God, miraculously, he is now expected to make a full recovery. (laughs) The game that was being played was consequential. At stake was the number one seed in the AFC, getting home field advantage throughout the playoffs en route to a Super Bowl. And the 80,000 in the stadium and the 10 million watching online wondered if the game would continue. But it was soon suspended by the NFL indefinitely. Now we know the game will not be played. And both teams headed back into the locker room in tears and sadness and concern for their brother and their teammate. In that moment, no longer did football matter. No longer was it the most important thing on the minds of the sports world. Now the only thing that mattered was the life of 24-year-old Damar Hamlin. And in that moment, the teams, the fans, and the world bowed their knee in prayer. There was no division or debating. Instead, everyone was praying together because when trouble comes deep down, even those who argue and doubt the existence of God call out to the very God humankind knows truly exists, and we invite his intervention. There are many lessons that I believe that God was shouting out to the world through Monday night football that particular day. Many lessons, because that's what God does. He shouts to us in our pain, but he whispers us in, uh, to us in our pleasure. Pain is his megaphone that rouses the ears of a deaf world. And those lessons are as follows. Life is short, should be valued and cherished and protected. We're all equally human, red and yellow, black and white. We're precious in a sight. Life is short, and death, although ominous, is certain. And as the Bible says, everyone living should think about these things. Loving our neighbor as ourselves is indeed the Mount Everest of ethics and the greatest wisdom ever spoken by the greatest man and God who ever lived, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Prayer works when we call on God. Collectively, God does intervene. And then lastly, we need God no matter how rich or poor, powerful or weak, famous or unknown. We need God. The Bible says one day both the great and the small will all stand before God. You see, there is something built into the DNA of man that knows that God is real and that this life is not all that there is. And Scripture tells us this in Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11 when it says that God, has built eternity into the hearts of all mankind. And it is against these eternal truths that God is challenging us today to do something that we as individuals and as a church, I believe God is calling us to do in 2023, and that is to go all in. You see, in life, we realize at certain moments that that only... One thing really matters. At certain moments in life, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're famous. It doesn't matter if you have popularity. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you have power. All that matters at certain moments in life becomes crystal clear to all of us. And that is, are you all in for Jesus? Not are you all in on your career as many of these NFL athletes are doing whatever it takes to become the best of the best? Not, not are you all in on, on financial well-being? As many of these NFL athletes are not all, you all are you all in on the dream because you have youth on your side and you have your whole life against you. None of that matters. What really matters is are you all in? For Jesus, in the immortal words of S.M. Lockridge, he said, he is the key to knowledge, the wellspring of wisdom, the doorway to deliverance, the pathway of peace, the roadway of righteousness, the highway of the holiness, and the gateway to glory. In answer to the question asked by Doubting Thomas, how do we get to heaven? Jesus said this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man gets to the Father but through me. This week I went shopping and I was in the store and I was being served by, by two very kind, uh, young men and they were both very, very proud of being Muslim. And, uh, really super, super nice guys. And, uh, and then they asked me what I did and I told them where I was a, a minister of the gospel and they said, oh, we the same. We the same, we the same, we the same. I I said, uh, I said, all due respect, we're not the same. If you're talking about religious beliefs, we're not the same. They said, what do you mean? I said, well, well, do you believe the Bible? Oh yes, yes, yes. Muslim, we have to believe the Bible. We believe every word of the Bible. I said, well, how do you believe every word of the Bible and not believe that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh and the only way to heaven? And they said, well, they changed it. They changed it. They changed it. They changed it. You see, what we have out there is all sorts of conflicting reports about how do we get to heaven, but the truth of the matter is Jesus, the only one who defeated death, the only one that qualifies to be God, I told them this, I said, you know, Muhammad doesn't qualify to be God. They said, why not? I said, well, well, he died and stayed dead. I said, Jesus literally defeated death. If you If you die and stay dead, you can't be God. See, all that matters is, is all we, are we all in with Jesus? And so that's my first point. Jesus invites each of us to go all in. There's no fine print or false advertising when it comes to God. There's no clickbait with a gotcha at the end. And although modern day Christianity may have blood out this invitation, Jesus time and time again invites us to go all in. And he makes it crystal clear. Luke chapter 9 verse 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone, are you an anyone? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. In in essence, this invitation is, if you want to follow me, you have to pack your coffin on your old life and embrace the life that I have for you. You have to invert your understanding of life from everything revolves around us as human beings to everything revolves around Christ. This is what it takes To be a disciple. And Jesus was so serious about this that in Luke chapter 9 verse number 62, he said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. It's almost as if in our Christianity, these verses don't exist. It's almost as if we forget that Jesus is not trying to cover up what it takes to be a disciple. He's not trying to say, you know what, uh, you know, you can kind of be kind of about the things of God when it's convenient, and other times, you know, you could be all in. He, uh, he says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Here's what it takes to be a disciple. You've got to be all in. No fine print, no false advertising, no clickbait, just plain and simple all in. And when we come to our story, we find Jesus inviting this rich young ruler to be all in, just like he invites us to be all in, and and when you look at this this young man, he's a great young man. I mean, look at I, I can't find any fault with him. He's rich. I mean, and and not just got a little bit of money. The Bible says he's wealthy. Wealthy, by the way, is rich on a whole new level, right? Wealthy is not just like you know. Most most people in this room are rich. Look at everybody going. I ain't rich, Pastor. You don't know you're rich. I guarantee you can you can throw out 200 clo- items of clothes that are in your house right now and still have plenty of clothes to put on your back, right? He's a ruler. He's got influence. He's got a blue check mark next to him on social media. He's well-respected. He's got prestige. He's esteemed by others. And he's got good moral character, right? He's kept many of the commandments, six of them to be precise, perfectly according to his own witness, ever since he's been a kid. So he's a guy that is good in every way. You want him to be your neighbor. You might even want him to marry your daughter if you have a daughter. He's rich. He's influential. He's got good moral character. I mean, this is a guy who's a winner, 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 chicken dinner, right? And then he's young. He's got the whole world. He's got youth on his side. I mean, he can make some mistakes and still recover from them. But then he's courageous. Most rulers during Jesus' day were trying to sabotage Jesus. This guy doesn't care what anybody else thinks. He doesn't care if he gets the cold shoulder from his friends. He goes and he goes right to Jesus, and he spontaneously, which is which is unusual for somebody who's got that much clout. Aristotle said rich men don't run, but this guy runs to Jesus. He's humble. He bows before Jesus, and then lastly, he's transparent. Comes to Jesus, he says. Uh, Jesus, he says, uh, normally, my money can buy me whatever I want. If I can fix whatever I need to fix, I can have whatever I need to have. But if I'm going to be real honest with you, there's something missing on the inside of me. I don't I don't really feel fulfilled. I don't feel connected to God. I, I don't feel like if I die, I'm going to have eternal life. And so, Jesus, can you tell me, how do I get eternal life And look at what Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, verse number 24. Jesus looks at him and Jesus loves him and he says, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and come and take up his cross and follow me. What is, what is Jesus saying? First of all, Jesus is saying, it's not about possessions. It's about priority. How do we know Jesus saying it 's not about possessions? Well, the, the selling everything you have and giving it to the poor gets you into heaven. In other words, is eternal life based on what we do? Have we devolved to a place in our understanding of Christianity where we think that we can actually do something to merit and earn salvation, where our salvation is works-based instead of grace-based? Of course, the answer is a resounding no. Furthermore, the Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 3, although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor... And though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. And so the Bible clearly tells us that selling everything you have and giving it to the poor is not going to give you heaven. Moreover, there have been many disciples in the Bible and since the Bible who have been rich and had eternal life. Abraham, rich. Isaac and Jacob, rich. David and Solomon, rich. Joseph in the Old Testament, rich. Joseph of Arimathea in the New Testament, Rich. And to boot, each of them was given their riches by God Almighty. And by the way, even the disciples were well off. And by the way, even the disciples were well off. Let me say it one more time just for the people in the back. Even the disciples were well off. We have this, this opinion of Jesus and the disciples that they were all broke. Well, listen, first of all, if you read the Bible, it tells us that James and John had hired servants. Mark chapter 1, verse number 20, and immediately he called them and they left their father, James and John, they had left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Matthew was a tax collector, and he had enough money to throw Jesus a huge honking party. Watch this. Luke chapter 5, verse number 29. Then Levi, that's Matthew, gave him, notice what it says, a great feast. A great feast. Where? In his house. Some of you think that it said in his cardboard box. A great feast in his house, and there were a great number of tax collectors, that's the rich of the rich in Bible days, and others who sat down with him. And Jesus himself blessed Peter and John with a miracle catch of fish that sunk their boat, that caused them to have to get other boats to come in to haul it in, and that was the name of the money game for Peter and John. It was how much fish can we catch? Clearly then, this statement by Jesus is not about possession. It's about priority. And because the disciples were well off, look at their reaction. Then Jesus looked around. He said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. Notice this. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished amongst themselves. Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Jesus says, this. It's really hard. It's really hard for people who are rich to enter into the kingdom of God. That was his first kind of take at it. And the disciples, they start freaking out. Now, if they weren't well off, isn't this an odd reaction? If they weren't well off, if they were poor, like most people think, that, they were like, all right, geez, you, you tell them rich folk. That rich folk always thinking their poop don't stink, like they can buy whatever they want, fix whatever they want. But they got to know, Jesus, that they cannot have eternal life if they're rich. Go ahead and tell somebody, Jesus. But that, that wasn't their reaction. Their reaction was they were astonished. And so Jesus clarifies, and he says, it, it's not about the possessions it's about where the trust is placed. It's about trusting in possessions instead of trusting in God. Furthermore, Jesus says, with God all things are possible. In other words, if God is the center of your life, you can have both. And that's why we read in First Timothy chapter 6, verse number 17, listen to what it says. This is, this is Paul to Timothy. And he says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So here's what he's saying. He said, he said, have money, but don't let money have you. Enjoy your stuff, but don't make it all about stuff. Don't have misplaced priorities in your life. God has got to be first. And by the way, one of the big ways God is first in this area of life is that we are generous with God, with the kingdom, and with people, right? That's one of protections against us putting our trust in stuff the problem with the rich young ruler was verse number 22 he went away sad and sorrowful because he had great possessions or better said because the possessions had him so when Jesus tells this man sell everything you have and give it to the poor come take up your cross and follow me what was he doing he was saying time for you to go all in time for you to put everything on the line for me No fine print, no false advertising, no clickbait. You came to me and you said, how do I have eternal life? My answer to you was crystal clear. Here's what it was. I got to be number one in every area of your life. The sign of true discipleship is God number one in every area of my life. And that brings us to the second point. What is all in? All in is full devotion to God no matter what the cost. Full devotion to God no matter what the cost. History is replete with disciples who are all in. James the Greater was killed by the sword at the order of King Herod. Luke hung by the neck from an olive tree in Greece. Doubting Thomas was pierced through with a spear, tortured with red hot plates and burned alive in India. Philip was tortured and crucified because the wife of the proconsul of Heropolis converted to Christianity while he was preaching. Matthew was stabbed in the back in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was flogged to death in Armenia. James the just was thrown off the southeast pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem after surviving it. He was clubbed to death. Simon the zealot was crucified by the governor of Syria. Judas Thaddeus was beaten to death with sticks. Matthias, who replaced Judas, was stoned to death and beheaded. And Peter was crucified upside down at his own request. The only one of the twelve to survive, not death, for the cause of Christ was John. And it was only after he survived being burned in a vat of hot oil, they put in a hook and tried to bring him up thinking he would be dead. And history tells us that he came up singing God's praises. And so they, uh, they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. But here's my point. All in is full devotion to Christ no matter what the cost. No matter. This is strange Christianity. Isn't it? It's not going to church once a week and definitely not trading in in person for online permanently. It's not daily devotions. It's not fasting during Lent. It's, it's a complete divestiture of self-interest. It's not keeping the Ten Commandments. It's not repeating the sinner's prayer. It's not volunteering for ministry. It's not leading a small group. It's not raising your hands in worship. It's not going on a mission trip. It's not giving your tithe. That's not price. That's normal. Woo! That's normal! We have gotten to the place in Christianity where that's abnormal. It is abnormal to see people in church 90% of the time. The norm now is one fifth. Twenty percent is normal. And we think, wow, we're really living for God. It's radical these days to practice the things that I just mentioned. But it's not Christianity. Normal and radical were antonyms in the first century. To those disciples, we've made them synonyms. We have cheapened the gospel by allowing people to buy in without selling out. The gospel is free. It's free to all mankind. It cannot be earned or purchased with anything that we do, but it will cost you everything. And it's high time that we pull the lid off of this Christianity that has become cultural and casual today and comfortable today and tell people what true Christianity is. It's all in. No matter what the cost. I know Pastor, I haven't been around for a few months, but you know, I have things to do on Sunday. You follow what Jesus said? No matter what the cost. Yeah, yeah, but they only do this at this time of the year. No matter what the cost. No matter what the cost. Oh, well, Pastor, if, if I give my tithe, I won't be able to have as big of a house as I have right now, no matter what the cost. No matter what the cost. Well, if I take a stand for Jesus, I might get fired from my work, no matter what the cost. Christianity is all in. It's time we realize the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a beautiful beautiful pearls. And when he found one pearl of great price, he went and he sold everything he had to buy it. In other words, this one thing is worth me giving everything that I have for. That's what it's like. The Apostle Paul, who had everything. Jesus turned his life upside down. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, he was wealthy, influential, aristocratic. He had a happy marriage, gives his life to Jesus, gets kicked out of the Sanhedrin, wife leaves him, loses everything. He's in prison, and here's what he writes. But what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ, yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. In other words, I'm all in. No matter what the cost. If I've got to lay Isaac on the altar, I'm all in. If I've got to burn my plow and not look back, I'm all in. If I've got to go before the king unannounced, I'm all in. If I've got to be thrown into a fiery furnace, I'm all in. If I've got to spend the night and a day in a lion's den, I'm all in. If I've got to build a boat and there's never been rain, I'm all in. If I've got to go face a giant with a slingshot and five smooth stones, I'm all in. If I've got to go before Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the earth, with just a staff in my hair and tell him to let pe- my people go, I'm all in. If I've got to march around. Jericho seven times and look like an idiot I'm all in if I've got to give up my last bit of oil and meal I'm all in if I've got to get out of the boat and walk on water I'm all in why that's what Christ said that's what it is the story is told of a famous man named C.T. Studd in Christendom he was a wealthy aristocrat and a British missionary he had everything but he used it for God's glory He was once talking to an aspiring missionary, and he said, young man, there's nothing that I have that you can't have. And the young man said, well, how can I be more like you? And Stud said, have you given yourself fully to Christ? And he went on to say this. He said, which key to which closet have you held back from God? That's the key he wants regardless of how many other keys you've given him. That's the closet that he's always knocking on through events and circumstances and sermons. How do you know which closet God wants the key to? Simply, it's the one that causes you to get angry, offended, impatient, defensive, self-righteous and the like. It's the one that strikes a chord in your life that arouses the flesh that you thought had been crucified with Christ. But when you finally decide to give him the key, that key and make him therefore Lord of all, you find that he wasn't trying to take the stuff in that closet from you and robbing, rob you, leaving you with the sham jewels and taking the real ones you'll find that when you give him that key he takes away the things that are literally eating you alive and he gives him yourself that's all in so I'm going to ask you which key to which closet have you held back from God is it the marriage key is it the raising your children key is it the business key is it the prayer key is it the devotion key is it the tithe key what is, what is the key that's the one. Here's my prayer for you. Are you ready for my prayer for you this year? My prayer for you this year is not that you're going to be blessed. That'll be a byproduct of my prayer. My prayer is that God keeps knocking on that closet door. Over and over, and he just hounds you like crazy. Yeah, yeah, I need that. Yeah, yeah, I need that. Yeah, yeah, I need that. God, I come to you today. Well, hold well, before you come to me today and ask me for anything. I just have to ask you for something. I just need that key to that one closet. Yeah, but God, I have this big need of my. Life. I just need that key to that one closet. Yeah, God, but all hell's I just need that key to that one closet. That, that's that's my prayer this year. That key. Revelation chapter three verse twenty says, "Behold, written to Christians. By the way, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, he'll open unto me, and I'll come in and sup with him, and he with me. Hear the knock. Stop! Stop ignoring. Are we great at ignoring things? We're great at ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're great at ignoring all of the meddling that God wants to do in our life, as if God's not t- talking. We we turn a deaf ear to God." You know, God, by the way, I found out something that usually God says very little after he tells you to do something that you don't do. It's almost like, what happened? God went mute? I don't understand. Why, why did God take it talking to me anymore? Well, what did God tell you to do that you haven't done? If you'll do that one thing, you'll see how much God will begin to talk again. Because God is like, well, wait, wait a second, wait a second. Before we go any further, can we get this one thing? Can I have that one key? We know... The closet that he was knocking on in the rich young ruler's life. It was the possession closet. He, he was saying, could I have that key? Point number three, when we don't go all in, we wind up missing out. Notice again, Mark chapter 10, verse number 22. Here's what it says. It says, but he was sad at his word. And he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Or great possessions had him. At first, I kind of felt bad for the guy. I'm like, Jesus. You went for the juggler, bro. You didn't even say to the guy, can I get 10%? And Jesus, you know how that tweaks the people in modern-day Christianity today. I just can imagine if, like, the requirement was, you know how hard my job would be? Jesus, if I told everybody they got to sell everything they have and bring it to church next week, I'd have an empty church the following week. Half the time if I talk about money, I got an empty church the next week anyway. Jesus, you didn't even, you didn't even say 10%. Jesus, you went, ah, you went right for the juggler, Jesus. Go easy, Jesus. Give the guy a chance to digest what Christianity is all about. Don't go with the money stuff right away, Jesus. Jesus is like, no, you don't understand. No fine print with me. No no switching bait with me. I'm not going to lead people to believe that following me is like this when it's like this. And then after I realized that I shouldn't really feel bad for the guy for what Jesus asked of him, I should feel bad for the guy because of the opportunity that he gave up. I mean, think about this. How many people could say they were one of the handpicked people that Jesus said, come follow me? One of the, I mean, this guy had the shot. I mean, could you imagine having up close and personal box seats to the ministry of Jesus? Are you kidding me? People play big dollars to go and hear Tony Robbins tell them how to be a success in life. Big dollars. They'll spend insane amount, stupid money. This guy had the opportunity to follow after Jesus box seats to walking on water and opening blind eyes and unstopping deaf ears and miracles, multiplication of loaves and fishes and, and wisdom, back, back room talks with Jesus. After Jesus said something and, and, and people didn't understand what it meant and so they were kind of just confused. They go back and Jesus said, well let me break that down for you. Let me, I mean this guy passed on an opportunity of a lifetime. See what happens is when we don't go all in, we Miss out. And here's the sad thing about. Well, Christian all okay this morning? Yeah. Here's the sad thing about Christianity. When it comes to the American dream, we play offense. Give everything we have. Time, talent, treasure, right? Spend whatever it takes. Right? Countless hours, countless grind, doing all those things. We play off. when it comes to Christianity, we play defense. Ah, can't curse. Can't, can't drink. Can't smoke. Can't have sex outside of marriage. Can't watch rated R movies. And, and, and Christianity becomes a defense religion. Right. These are all the things I can't do in order to acquire the life that God has for me. But when it comes to the world, it's like, yeah, if if I got to take a risk, you know, uh, I only got 10,000 to my name. But but if I put this 10,000 in right here, they're telling me that that this could be a big career opportunity for me. So I sell that, sell this and my 10,000. You know, if I want my business to succeed, I, 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 sometimes, you know, you just gotta grind. Sometimes, I'm, I'm about to have to work seven days a week. And you know, everybody's just got to have to understand that that's what I gotta do. Cause my business is on the line. This is, this is for my family, man. We're all in. Christianity is, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. And you know what Jesus says? You got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. Here's what Christianity is. It's offense. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent do what? They take it by force. Stop playing defense with your relationship with God. Start playing offense with your relationship with God. Step out on the water sometimes. I mean, step out and see what God, put it all on the line for Jesus sometimes. Test God in the areas that he says test him in. See if God is not faithful. See if God is not true. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. What Jesus is saying is, when it comes to me, go for broke. Last point. When we go all in, we receive all God has. When we don't go all in, We miss out on what God has. When we do go all in, we receive all God has. Again, the last part of the verse I just read, read, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. The disciples are astonished because they think Jesus is saying, you can't be rich and be saved. And Jesus clarifies, he says, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. And then Peter jumps in. You got to love Peter. I love Peter. Peter's like one of my favorite characters. He's He's like a regular Joe. You know, he's big, he's burly, curses a little bit, you know, denies Jesus sometimes, you know, he's just like us. Right? And so Peter hears this and he goes, whoa, 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 Jesus. Hold on a second here. He said, verse number 28, we have left all and followed you. Jesus, we've gone all in. Jesus, we've left everything and follow you. We we have left our businesses, sacrificed time with our families, left our careers and our dreams, our, our aspirations, left all and follow you. Jesus, what does that mean? These are in red in my Bible, what's about to be said. Ready? Jesus answered, assuredly. You know what that means? Take this to the bank. And I ain't playing when I tell you this. This is, this is for real right here. Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one, are you a no one, Who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels. Who shall not receive a hundredfold. Now in this life. Houses, brothers, sisters. Mothers, childrens, and lands with persecutions. It ain't going to be easy. It, it means that it, it, life is not going to be a bed of roses. But if you'll stay faithful to me, he, and in the age to come, eternal life. Translation, I wasn't trying to get this guy to give up everything that he had and be broke. I wasn't trying to get this guy to give up on nice things in life. What I was actually trying to do was get the nice things out of the way so that the guy could have the very thing that matters most which is eternal life. But with eternal life when God is the priority comes a boatload of everything else that this guy was seeking after. I was going to dap this guy up with a hundred times more than he had before, Amen. but the but the guy, the guy wouldn't trust me. He 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 thought I was like that. See, some of y'all think God is like that. Some of you guys think God is like that friend who's always mooching on you. And I, I need this. And, uh, can I get that? A friend that never puts their hand in their pocket. You've been out to dinner with them for 20 years. They never offered to pay once. And the best they do is can, can we split that? Always coming over to your house. You never been invited over to their house. Bumming this and bumming that off for you. Some of y'all think God is like that, that God is a mooch. God's not a mooch, though. God is the greatest giver of all things. See this guy believed the lie. The lie was that if you don't hold out on God you'll miss out. Truth of the matter is Psalm 84 verse 11 no good no good thing will he withhold from those that love him. God's not a withholder but the, the enemy has been running this lie on God's children ever since the beginning of time in the garden in order to get what you really want, you've got to hold out on God. In order to get what you really want, you've got to hold out on God. And God is saying this. He's saying, forget about what the return is. Forget about all of that stuff. Just put your focus in me. And just trust in the fact that if I ask you to do something, I love you too much to ask you to do something that is not good for you. See, all in is not a book you read. It's not a sermon you listen to. It's a decision that you make. It's a decision to put Isaac on the altar. It's a decision to throw your staff down before Pharaoh it's a decision to burn your plow it's a decision to get out of the boat and walk on water, it's a decision to go face the giant, to go into the fiery furnace, to sleep in a lion's den to give away your last bit of oil and meal, it's a decision to stop trusting in anything other than God, some trust in horses and some trust in chariots but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God, it is a decision to trust in the love of God you notice what the scripture said Jesus looked at him and loved him everybody forgets that portion of that text everybody only remembers the last portion, and told him one thing you lack sell everything you have give it to the poor pick up your cross daily and follow me and you'll have treasure in heaven everybody always looks at that part they forget the first part Jesus looked at him and loved him do you trust in the love of God do you trust that he'll, He loves you so much that He will never ask you to do anything that is not for your well-being? Do you trust God so much knowing that He loved you so much He left heaven and came to earth for you? Loved you so much became a man for you, put on our flesh for you. Do you trust him, His love so much that He loved you so much that He lived a sinless life for you? Loved you so much, went to a cruel cross for you? Loved you so much went to hell and took the keys to death hell and the grave for you do you trust in the love of almighty God that he loves you that much if you do it's time to go all in which key which key you know here's something that just came to me he'll be a good thing Get you one of them keys on your keychain. Put a little piece of tape on it. And write the area God wants you to give to Him this year on it. Every time you look at your keys. Huh. That's what God wants right there. Huh. That's what God wants right there. And finally, when you're ready to give it to God. Take it off the keychain. Maybe tape it to the inside of your Bible. So every time you open the Word of God, which I'm hoping is not going to be like once every three months, you know what I'm saying? Say, God, that's yours right there. Would you stand on your feet?